In my three hours this morning, I thought about, is there a message that I've given here at Wellsprings before that I would like to give again? And maybe remix a little bit and update a little bit and share a little bit more of where I've come to with it. Um, So I thought about a message from about two years ago, from the summer of 2014. And the more I thought about it, I realized, how many of you first came to Wellsprings within the last two years? Great. So this is all new to you. Perfect. Perfect. I bet, I bet some of you guys don't even know I used to be an intern, right? I was. The message was about uh, the movie Waitress, which I don't know if any of you have seen. It's one of my favorite movies, actually. Carrie Russell stars in the movie. Nathan Fillion is in the movie. It was recently made into a Broadway musical as well. And in the movie Waitress, the main character that we follow is named Jenna. Jenna works at a pie shop called Joe's Pie Diner. And she is a waitress at this pie shop, but more than that, she is their most gifted baker. She comes in every single morning at Joe's Pie Diner, and she comes up with something new and creative every single day for their specials. Her pie-making skills and her exceptional creativity are actually the key to the success of this whole shop, which is kind of a little sleepy spot set in sort of an any-town USA kind of environment. It has a steady cast of regular customers. It has three full-time waitresses, Jenna and her two best friends. They are fiercely loving, tightly knit as a group of friends together. And we learn, as Jenna creates the pie in the first scene of the movie, the morning we meet her, that the pies that she comes up with are not only creative and delicious, they're reflections of her world. They're little stories about what's going on for her, her circumstances in her life, her emotions. Each pie is like a little mini autobiography that tells the story of what's going on in her life. And we become aware very quickly that the circumstances of Jenna's life are not really working for her, that she's been struggling for some time. The first pie she makes in the movie is called Bad Baby Pie. It's a quiche of egg and brie cheese with a smoked ham center. It's the pie that Jenna invents the morning that she discovers that she is pregnant with the child of her abusive husband. Her husband, who is controlling, deeply insecure, and therefore deeply threatening and violent to her. You can understand why she might call it a bad baby pie in those circumstances. We see more of what Jen has been going through throughout the movie as she creates other pies like, I hate my husband pie. You take bittersweet chocolate and you don't sweeten it. You make it into a pudding, and then you drown it in caramel. She makes a pie later called Earl Murders Me Because I'm Having an Affair Pie. You smash blackberries and raspberries into a chocolate crust. A big part of why I love this movie, why it's one of my favorites, is is because it balances the day-to-day realities of our lives in this beautiful way. It seems on the surface like it's about a small-town waitress who makes a mean pie. It shows that surface level that I think is true in all of our lives, right? We get up, we put on our clothes, we go to work. 
But there's so much else happening underneath. And this movie deals with the serious and the deep complexities of our lives. With birth, with infidelity, with violence, and with the complex feelings around anything new and changing. And how those things can turn us to turmoil on the inside. The fear and the despair and the helplessness that often sits just around and beside and between all of those things that bring us joy. Sometimes these emotions we experience, even around good things, right, are complex. Some of us know that strange mix of love and pride, but also fear and longing when we watch our little baby go away to sleepaway camp for the first time in the summer. We're at college. Some of us know that mix of anticipation and joy, but also sobering responsibility when we get a promotion or a new job. That stress, that feel that we need to impress someone that's mixed along with the good news of it all. Some of us know the sweet release of retirement. I'm not there yet, but I hear it's great. And we know that that release can be mixed with questions about our identity, our usefulness, wondering if we still matter to the world. So the pies in Waitress are clearly a storytelling device, a really clever, beautiful visual storytelling device for the movie, but they're also this window into her internal life for Jenna. And it gives us as the audience a way to understand her feelings and her experiences For her and for us, these pie recipes are a way of naming what's going on. Just what Frank was talking about this morning, actually, which we obviously didn't plan. Calling our attention back to what's here right now. The pies are a form of spiritual practice for Jenna. Now, I think we all have this image of what spiritual practice looks like. Right, we're in uh, white Lululemon yoga pants. We've we've lit candles and incense, and that can be what it looks like. But spiritual practice is really less about what you do and more about the quality of attention that you're bringing to whatever it is you're doing in that moment. Whether what you're doing is simply breathing, or doing yoga, or doing art, or journaling, or walking in nature. For Jenna, spiritual practice means pie baking. The pies that she bakes offer her a way to shift all those things in the background, all those thoughts and emotions from her unconscious up front to her conscious mind, to notice the stories that she tells herself about her own life, to observe how the events of her life, the happenings, the circumstances, bring up emotions and trigger thoughts and reactions for her. Baking pies is a way of checking in with where she is amidst the story and her life that is constantly trying to pull her away with all these distractions, all of these schemes that she invents in her head to get out of the situations that she doesn't want to be in, all of her escape plans. And we watch her go through a couple different escape plans in this movie. First, she hides money all over the house something that's all too common if you know much about abusive relationships and domestic violence. 
Her husband controls her finances and collects her paycheck every week, and so she sneaks a little bit off of her tips, and she tucks it into socks, in drawers, and into cabinets, and closets where he'll never find it, but he finds it one day. And she comes home, and he's got a pile of crumpled up dollar bills, and he says, what is this for? Are you trying to leave me? And she panics and makes up a story and says, no, it was for the baby. I was saving up to buy him a crib. And we see just how broken that kind of violence makes someone as he breaks down crying in tears because he was so afraid that that she was going to leave. So that plan didn't work. Then she finds out about a pie contest. Ah, right? If this were a different kind of movie, this probably would have been how it goes. She shows up. Uh, or she shows up at work one day and someone hands her a flyer and says, there's this pie contest and you could win. You would crush it, right? And the prize, I forget, is something like twenty-five or $30,000. So she thinks, this is my ticket for a pie contest, right? That happens every day. Um, so she, she thinks, this is my ticket. I'll be able to escape this situation with my husband. And she gets all set to go and she buys a bus ticket and she's sitting on the street at the bus stop waiting to head off to the contest and her husband drives by in his car and sees her. He says, where are you going? And she makes up some other story and gets back in the car because she knows what the consequences will be otherwise. So that didn't work. Her third escape plan is where we spend most of the movie. She decides to have an affair with her married obstetrician. Not perhaps her best plan. Not, not really living your best life there, Jenna. Um, she, she gets into this relationship with a man who's broken down in his own marriage, who is thrilled by the opportunity to save this wonderful, beautiful, creative woman that he's uh, providing medical services to, which is not okay for him in many ways. <laughs> This is Nathan Fillion's character, so he's charming enough that you kind of buy into it, even though it's a little weird. And he, he decides he's going to rescue her for good. He's going to leave his wife, and they set a time and a meeting place, and he says, show up, I'll come pick you up in my car, and we're going to get out of here. We're going to get away together. She goes to his office to meet him that morning, and she sits down on the steps in front of his office, and her water breaks. Yeah, what luck a clear and painful call to the present moment. She goes into labor. Now, I don't blame Jenna for her escape plans. She is a woman in a really difficult and bad situation, and she is really working with what she's got. But I think it is telling that none of these schemes to get away from her life are what works for her in the end. The only thing that works for her is staring her life straight in the face. The only thing that works is calling her attention back to what is here for her right now. Calling her attention to this moment where there's nowhere else to go and there's nowhere else to be. One of our core values here at Wellsprings is spiritual practice. The importance of everyday spiritual practice, staying connected to our spiritual source, to the identity of our community. We say the most powerful spirituality is expressed abundantly in everyday life, in the home, in the workplace, in the shopping malls, on the streets, in this movie, in the kitchen. 
I admit that when I first showed up to Wellsprings three years ago, I wasn't sure about this spiritual practice stuff. Some of you may not be so sure about it either. You might be like me. I was kind of like, that's great that they do that. Right? That's wonderful. I, I, I do some yoga sometimes. Yeah, I, I pray occasionally. But at that point in my ministerial formation, I didn't have a regular spiritual practice. And I did think a little bit that it didn't apply to me. I approached spiritual practice more like a toolkit. When I got to the point where I was ready to break, where I got to the hardest edge of whatever I was dealing with, I would look at my little spiritual practice toolkit, and that's when I would pray. That's when I would sit. That's when I would go for that mindful walk or open up my journal and let ten pages pour out. And that was good. That was helpful. But I didn't realize that spiritual practice was actually for me, too. It wasn't just for the people who looked like they had it all together, who wore the $80 Lululemon pants, who had that peaceful look on their face, who ate vegan macrobiotic diets, who weighed 127 pounds. It wasn't just for those people. It was for people like me, too. The only thing that Reverend Ken insisted I do as an intern here actually was develop a spiritual practice. Everything else he trusted me on, but that one he was like, you're, you're going to do that and you're going to talk to me about it every week. <laughs> and so when I started my mindfulness practice, sitting silently, noticing my breathing, noticing what came up for me, noticing my thoughts for 20 minutes every day, I felt like I was doing it wrong all the time because I didn't have that thing. I didn't get that peaceful feeling. I didn't look or feel the way I thought I was supposed to now that I was doing that thing that I'd resisted doing in the first place. Well, what was the point? It wasn't making me feel that peaceful, blissful kind of way. I will never forget the moment that that changed. I was sitting in my office at my day job While I was interning here, I worked at an admissions office at a local college four days a week. And it was the middle of the day, all alone in my office, and I don't remember what happened, but something had happened that was stressful and was kind of, you know, making me frustrated, making me angry. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, ugh, I just want this day to be over. I'd thought that a million times before in my life. I just want this day to be over. For some reason, something clicked in that moment. And I thought about a reading that we'd done here at Wellsprings from Thich Nhat Hanh about washing the dishes to wash the dishes. I don't like washing the dishes. Neither does Thich Nhat Hanh. But he says, if while we're washing the dishes, we are not present to what we're doing, if we're only thinking about the other place we want to be, the time in the future when we can stop doing this and sit down and enjoy our cup of tea after dinner, then we're not really alive in the moment that we're washing the dishes. That settled into place for me in that moment. And something 
shifted. I thought, what am I doing with my life, with the precious gift of the time that I have, if I'm just waiting for it to be over? How slippery a slope is it from I just want this day to be over to I just want this week to be over to, well, in six months when I can take my vacation, that's when it'll be great. Or, well, when I get married, that's when things will work out well. Or, well, when I'm 55 and finally have my act together, that's when I'll really live. Do you all have your act together, people over 55? Great. Okay. Something shifted from I just want this day to be over to I don't want to miss this day. I will never forget that moment. It still chokes me up, apparently. I got over that idea of spiritual practice as some kind of unattainable, perfect state, and I realized that it's actually about the exact opposite. It's about practicing being with ourselves, with integrity and honesty, with the good things and the bad things. Because one of the greatest things about spiritual practice is that no one is looking No one is listening. No one knows what's going on in my head. I can see and greet whatever unfinished business or unacknowledged emotions are there, whatever secrets or shame or anger might be there, whatever joy or anticipation or hope might be there. It's not a performance. It's practice. And it practices, it helps me practice and cultivate for the real deal of my actual life. So that when those emotions come up and those reactions come up day to day, I've been there before. A little bit of a different sense that I've got this. That I'm familiar with myself, that I know myself. And that I can be present and loving and graceful with myself in those real life moments. Which makes me a nicer person to be around. I think we do this sometimes. We cultivate the courage that we need to face life, to stare it straight in the face in a lot of different ways. Spiritual practice is one, but I think we do this sometimes without calling it spiritual practice. Sometimes when we're making big decisions in our life or we're looking towards a change that we know we need to make, we might feel like we've been preparing for it for a really long time. We've known what needed to happen, and we were simply working up the courage by sitting with the discomfort of the way that things have been for so long. For Jenna to ever be free of all those difficult circumstances in her life, she had to come clean. She had to be honest with herself about who she is and where she is, what she's scared of, and what she's called to do. And the, one of the most beautiful things about this movie is that she has help. She has friends. Her friends, her co-workers at the diner, and old Joe, the crotchety regular at her restaurant who only she can handle, apparently. They're the ones who stick with her, constantly asking her to take a look at what's happening to take that look at what's here in her life. The first line of the movie is one of Jenna's friends saying, you've been putting that pregnancy test off for a while, Jenna. Here, I bought you one. Go to the bathroom. Shift's about to start. 
forcing her to look at what's here, even when she doesn't want to, even when it's uncomfortable. Her coworkers give her a baby book, which she doesn't really get excited about. They're reminding her, there's life growing inside of you right now, and it's coming out eventually. Start thinking about that. Old Joe, the regular, reads her her horoscope as he flips through the paper one day, which happens to say, Scorpio, if you're having an affair, maybe it's time to step back and take a look at your life and reassess things. (laughs) I'm sure that's what it said. And Joe isn't telling her that she's a bad person with that. In fact, I think he's trying to show her the opposite that what she's doing is not in alignment with her values, that she's better than that, that she can make a different choice. It's only through being honest about where we are with ourselves and with the people that we love that we can come to know the true power of grace and love in our lives. At the very end of the movie, towards the end, when Jenna is talking with her coworker about the affair and the damage it's done and all the stress that she's under. Her coworker says to her, you know, Jenna, I love you no matter what you do. It's honest. I love you no matter what you do. Not that I condone it, but I love you. Regardless, what a grace it is to hear those words from a friend. I love you no matter what you do. Coming clean doesn't mean being pure, it means being honest. And it is only by coming clean that we can experience that amazing grace and that love that is so special that we don't have to be special to be loved in our lives just as they are right now. Amen. And may you live in blessing. I want to invite you to pray with me. God of this present moment, spirit of all things that come up for us, Presence who knows what's in our hearts and in our heads. Help us to rest and trust that we can be with what's here. That even amidst the surprises and the disappointments and the difficult circumstances that we will all face if we're not already facing them, that we are still beloved that we always have freedom, that we can always reground ourselves in what's really happening in the honest truth. And from there, we will find that we do have a choice within our own power. For these prayers that I've spoken out loud and for the prayers that all of these beloved people carry on their hearts this morning, we say amen.